Zechariah 4.1, And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me, as a man that is wakened out of his sleep, and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, the candlestick all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not that these be? And I said, No, Lord, I do not know. When he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. There are those I am sad to report who feel that the kingdom will arrive with the election of the rump, uh, with the Republicans and Mr. Trump. They think we have God incarnate in Donald Trump. I'm, I've always been a supporter of him, so please understand I'm coming from two directions tonight. There are those who have placed their orders for a lion and a lamb that they may share them with their children in the new millennium. There are those who've reserved an anvil to beat the swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks for the kingdom age is about to start. There are those who are planning to trip to the zoo so their children can play at the cockatrice den and the hole of the serpent. Some are preparing to, for their income tax forms to be sent to Jerusalem and not to Washington. They've been doing that anyway. But I have news for you. I hate to tell you this. It wasn't the Democrats who got us in trouble, and it's not going to be the Republicans who get us out. God is the author of famine. No deep state. No Klaus, no Bill Gates, no one is going to determine whether God's people get fed or not. God is the author of famine and depression and drought, oppression and national problems. He may use the wicked if he wants to bring them upon his people. It never has been and never will be in the hands of the men of, of the wickedness to determine the food supply or the prosperity or the pros persecution or the liberty of God's people. Amen. The Democrats and Republicans said that we are the solution to our problems. The problem is they have become the problem to our solutions. Yeah. Now, Elijah Kennedy has come upon the scene and many think that we will go to the temple yearly for the Feast of Tabernacles. I don't know. I, I'm planning on coming up here. I don't know where everybody else is going. <laughs> and the Dead Sea will soon give life to fish, for the kingdom is arriving. No, the kingdom is not coming in Trump. It's not coming in Kennedy or in any other man. Now, Israel knew such day as this. They had been in bondage for 70 years. They thought if they could just get home, 
If we could just get home and we could get our own king and we could build our wall and we could rebuild the temple, if we could just get back to Jerusalem, that would solve our problems. They were out, now out from under the tyrants and they began to talk about the kingdom. And a young preacher by the name of Zacharias stood up and said, Folks, let, remind, let me remind you, we are free. We don't have any bondage, but not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. Don't you transfer your hope for America from Jesus to the Republicans? Don't you transfer your confidence for America from the Democrats uh, to the Democrats from Jesus, or to Trump, or to Cruz, or to Kennedy, or to the gurus on YouTube. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Not by the Supreme Court. Not by President, whoever he is, but by my Spirit. You and all God's people, I want to say this so that you understand it. I had to say this twice at our conference and probably need to say it more than that. But the future of America is in the hands of the people who sit in this room right here. Amen. Countries never have and never will be saved. Until God's called, elect, saved, redeemed, turn to God and repent of their sins and their ways and separate from their sins and obey God's law in every way of their life and enlist in active dominion work of God's almighty kingdom. Amen. I heard someone say a while back, well, I went to the polls and I made my mark and I did my duty to save America. No, no, doesn't work that way. If you want to save America, get the beer out of your icebox, get the cigarettes out of your pocket and your purse, and play uh, the Playboy magazine out of your living room, and get cursing and swearing out of your vocabulary, and soap operas off your TV set, and out of debt and usury, and get out of welfare. I'm sick and tired of churches where the preachers won't even dare talk about sin. Amen. Stop paying for aborticide and sodomy with your taxes. Quit making government your God. Make your home right. Don't consider divorce. Raise your kids right. Get your kids out of government schools and teach them at home or in a Christian school. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. My wife and I... We went home shaking our heads. About six weeks ago, it came out in our hometown paper that the Ministerial Alliance had voted that all of the churches and their members should come into the middle of Houston, down at the park, and they were going to have an afternoon, Sunday afternoon, prayer meeting for a revival in America. I could hardly believe it. I, shook, I, I jumped up and down. So we went. 
we have over 50 churches within 15 miles of Houston. Four showed up. Get saved, study the book, get in church, tithe, do something for the kingdom of God. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their sins, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Our land is sick. But God didn't say, elect a conservative and I'll heal the land. God never did say, elect a Christian for president, and I will hear you. The people of God, I mean the blood-bought, blood-washed, redeemed people of God, hold in their hands today the power to invoke God's intervention in today's political process in this country. Amen. We are the only ones who can save America. We're the only ones who have that power. Our country's future does not rest with might or power or the Navy or the Army or the Air Force or with airplanes or bombs. It is in the Spirit of God. Most of America's military might today is in the hands of the wicked. Didn't hear anybody say amen. Amen. Why do you think we fought a war in Iraq? So the Rothschilds could have another bank. Why do you think we fought the First World War and the Second World War? And why do you think we fought in Korea and Vietnam? Why do you think? Because they wanted the banks. And our military fought. Now, if you happen to be a person who volunteered or you were called and you went into the military and served, I'm not against you. You did it in ignorance, probably didn't have any other way to do it. But I can tell you it has been a very long time since our nation has had a military for the purpose of protecting the American people. Amen. If might and power could win wars, this country would still be under England. I mean, God himself intervened in those revolutionary days. I mean, miraculously. How many of you heard the story about George Washington got shot three times, had three holes in, on both sides of his vest, but went right through him and he still walked, still lived, didn't bleed. That's a miracle. George Washington, one day after he got to be president, <clears throat> He invited the chief of one of the tribes where he had fought several battles to come to the White House so he could have lunch together. And he came with his party from the tribe. And as they sat around eating and talking about old days, the chief looked at Mr. President and said, Sir, Washington said to, to the chief, he said, 
You know, I know that that day I was over on certain, certain place and I was on my knees in the snow praying to God Almighty to help us. I know that your, your soldiers circled the camp and you were there and you were there to kill me. Why didn't you kill me? And the Indian chief said, all them white soldiers in the sky. Washington didn't know they were there. I mean, God intervened. God gave the power. But America in those days was filled with the spirit of a living God with his law. The heathen getting a little more religious will not save America. Did you hear that? The, the wicked getting a little more religious will not save America. It's got to be God's people who get more dedicated. You say, Brother Ramsey, don't you worry about all those Hollywood movies, those producers and the filthy movies that they put out. Not nearly as much as I worry about the 10,000 or more Christians who are going to watch it. Yeah. You say, Brother Ramsey, don't you get ex upset about the rock music and the rap music and all Did I, I don't know if you know this or not. Did you know that rap music was invented, financed, and published, and put out in America by the CIA? A. To weaken you. But Ramsey, aren't you concerned about that? Not nearly as bad as the parents who won't control their children and keep them from listening to that kind of music. I ask you a question. Whose kingdom are you building? You say, I'm building Christ's kingdom. Got your children in the public school? You're in the wrong kingdom. You say, I'm building Christ's kingdom. Let me ask you a question. Most everybody here, I'm sure, either belongs here or you support this place. But if you happen to have strayed in here tonight and you're from the Methodists or Presbyterians or some other church and you go to that church and you put your money in the basket at that church, did you know that last year the Protestant churches of America gave over $2 billion to the United Nations to support their programs? You're supporting the wrong kingdom. Amen. That's what God is upset about. Our people, God's people, are not building His kingdom. They're building the enemy's kingdom. God will deal with America purely based on what God's blood-bought people do. As long as God's people love material ease and are willing to put up with it and the safety and possessions of righteousness and continue to put their money and prosperity and their property at the disposal of the wicked, we are still going to suffer. We're going to have bread and circuses. 
Rome killed the Christians who resisted the laws of Rome when they were obeying God, while the rest of the populace fed on their welfare bread and the entertainment and welcome of the games and the arenas. On Super Bowl Day, I am convinced, I am convinced that next January, on Super Bowl Day, if our government were to slaughter one million Christians, most people would still go to the TV and watch the Super Bowl. Let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that God did not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of adultery or sodomy or pornography or interracial fornication or abortion. Though she had them all and they were all sinful, God did not destroy them because of their sins. He destroyed them because he could not find Ten righteous people Amen. in the city. Amen. I don't know what America's number is, but I fear that if God looks down and tries to count the number, it will be deficient. I'm for American supremacy. I'm not a globalist. I'm not for the United Nations. I'm proud of my race and my heritage. You say, well, you're just a bigoted patriot, amen. But I'm not deceived. My country's strength is not in bombs and planes and armies. It's in the spirit of God and his power. My God parted the Red Sea and wiped out an entire army in one day. My God killed an army of 18,000 men with Gideon and 300 horn tutors and candle holders. I have a feeling that when the day comes for the enemy to be destroyed around here, this brass choir is going to be tooting their horns all the way down to the streets of the town. Hallelujah. My God caused the walls of a major city to fall by the blast of a few trumpets. I like to tell this story. If you were at the conference, you probably heard it. <clears throat> Several years ago, there was a family in Alabama by the name of Pangolinan who were teaching their children at home. Amen. And the state went after them and arrested them and said, you're going to go to trial. And the judge was not sympathetic toward them. So before the trial, they got their children out of the state with some relatives, but they went to the, they went to the court. And the judge says, where's your children? They said, well, they're not here. And he said, well, you've got to bring your children. He said, we're not going to bring our children. He said, you're going to go to jail until you bring your children in here. They went to jail. One week, the attorneys worked. Two, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. Still in jail. Brother McCurry, many of you knew him probably. Brother McCurry called me and said, we're going to go down to Alabama and 
jailhouse where the pandolinians are, we're going to have a service. He said, I want you to come. I said, okay. I went down there and the courthouse was in the square of the town. Drove up with the buses, unloaded the buses with his, with his choir and his orchestra. Looked behind us up on the top of the buildings and there were state policemen up there all around with rifles sitting up there. Brother McCurry said, we're going to sing, we're going to read the scriptures, we're going to praise the Lord, and then we're going to march seven times around this building and not say a word. So we went out, and as soon as we started walking around, that made the second time around, and they had four doors coming out of that, that courthouse, and they all flew open, and people ran out of the building. They were convinced that God was going to tear down that building. I wish that we had some wicked folks had that much faith. Oh, and by the way, two weeks later, they were released. The judge said, go get your kids and stay home. Stay out of trouble. If I have to choose between God and the armies of the world, I'll choose God. I'm not talking about the liberal God. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible. Amen. David said, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. One man in the White House may or may not improve the situation. I want to ask you a question. Who was president of Israel when the fiery serpents killed thousands? And by no, Moses. Was he, a good, was he a good leader? Absolutely. Who was president when Israel had to spend 40 years in the desert because of rebellion against God? Moses. Who was president when they lost the battle at Ai? Joshua. He was a good leader. What I'm trying to tell you is this, folks. We can elect a Christian president, but he will have no power until God's people get right with him. No righteous leader can overcome the wickedness of the people, and no wicked leader can be overcome except by the righteousness of the people. A constitutional amendment against abortion will not save America. A constitutional amendment for prayer in the public schools won't save America, won't even make the schools Christian. Abortion is caused by sex education in the schools and decent dresses by girls. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt your feelings. But when I was a teenager, my mother said, Every time we went through town and we saw a girl walking down the street in shorts or halters or a slackly dressed, she'd say, there goes a prostitute. Look, I don't know if this is true or not. I know that David should have never gone to the top roof and never watched Bathsheba take a bath. And he should have never committed adultery. But I believe there's a possibility she shouldn't have been on the rooftop taking a bath. Amen. Amen. Would God save America for you? If he went one by one in here and said, if I find so many people that are righteous, would he find enough? 
I believe this would be one of the places he might. I've got one little section I want to read, and then I'm going to probably be done. Go to Ezekiel 36. There's 36 verses in this passage. Ezekiel was in deep trouble. They were in, they were in captivity. They were in slavery. The enemies were around them. And the Lord said, Son of man, prophesy, starting in verse 1, unto the mountains of Israel. The mountains of Israel were meaning all the countries. And say, ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, because the enemy has said against you, Aha! Even the ancient high places are ours in possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God, because they have made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, that ye may be a, uh, a, a possession unto the residue of the heathen, and ye are taken up in the lip of talkers and are in the, in the family of the people. Is that the way we are? Are we surrounded? Are they saying we're going to be their captivity? Are they saying they're going to make us their slaves? Therefore, ye mountain of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God of the mountains, and to the hills, to the rivers, to the valleys, to the desolate wastes, to the cities that are forsaken, which became the prey and derision, to the residue of the heathen that are round about. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen and against all Idumea or the, uh, the Edomites, which have uh, appointed my land under their possession. They've appointed our land as their possession. Bill Gates says, I want to own all the farmland, and we'll shut down the farms. They want our land. They want our people. And that's what they were in those days. Prophesy, therefore, concerning the land of Israel, and say unto the mountain, and to the hills, to the, to the rivers, to the valleys, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my fury, because ye have borne the shame of the heathen. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I have lifted up mine hand. Surely the heathen that are about you, they shall bear their shame. But ye, O mountains of Israel, ye shall shoot forth your branches. Ye will bear your fruit to many people of Israel, for they are uh, a, as hand to come. Uh, hand to come. For behold, I am for you. I will turn unto you, and ye shall be tilled and sown. I will multiply men upon you and the houses of Israel, even all of it. And the cities shall be inhabited, and the wasteland shall be builded. He said, I know they want to make take you. They want to make you slaves. But I want to do you good. Amen. But he said. When he got to the end. Go to verse 36. Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I the Lord build the ruined places plant that which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel. Yeah. Whoa, listen to me. He says, you need me. 
you want me to do you good. The enemy's about to get you. And I will do you good. But you haven't asked me. Well, folks, we're going to fix that tonight. We're going to ask that those of you who believe that America is in trouble and you believe that God loves His people and that God wants to deliver His people, at least we're going to solve that problem. We're going to have a time at the end when we will ask God to turn the enemy over and turn them around and relieve us of their treasure of penalties and lies and cheating and stealing and killing. Bow your heads, please. I want you to ask yourself this question. I'll ask it and you can purvey yourself. If you can answer these questions, yes, then I want you to stand up in just a moment. Am I a child of the God? Am I one of His children? Do I believe America's in trouble? Am I willing to go on the line to ask Him to relieve us and free us and to give us protection from those who seek our harm? Do you say yes to all those? Raise your hand. Stand up. Heavenly Father, My heart was broken when I read this scripture again for about the 15th time. Lord, I can't believe, it's hard for me to believe, that our people have not asked you for deliverance. I realize that some in here have asked for deliverance. And I realize some in here have never known what we needed deliverance. And Lord, there are some in here that they have no right to ask for, de for deliverance because they do not live for you. So Lord, I'm asking two or three things. First of all, help those who are not living for you to make a vow tonight, a covenant with you, that they will follow you and obey you. And they will be a part of this church or some church where they can work in the kingdom of God. And that they will daily, in their prayer life, they will cry out unto our God and say, God, deliver us. If they ask you to bind the enemy and to loose their chains upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless.